Welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I thought I'd be healthier and better shape, feel better both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and be further along in my life? If so, come on this journey with my dad as he explores all things health and wellness from a holistic, medical perspective, even as a classically trained physician. He'll share integrative strategies to optimize health and inspire you to join the modern medicine movement. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast and a big aloha. Dr. Thomas Hemingway here. Super pumped, guys. So grateful for another day of life, another week, another opportunity to share with you guys on this podcast. Oh, it's a beautiful day. The sun is out, it's shining bright clear skies, a little bit of vitamin D on tap out there. It's a beautiful day. Oh, I just so appreciate every, every new day. It's uh, <laughs> it's a little wacky out there. I mean, just all the stuff going on in the world. Um, in my world as an ER doctor, I see, you know, literally the best and the worst of things, you know, and it's, it's crazy out there. And it's been, it's been a wild ride these last, uh, nine months, 12 months um, or so. And uh, I'm just so grateful, grateful for every new day, grateful for every sunrise, every sunset, any chance I have to get a little vitamin D and a little vitamin N (laughs) with nature and vitamin M with movement, all my favorite vitamins. They just, they just make me happy. Well, anyway, welcome back to another show. So exciting this week to be able to share with you a little bit more, kind of uh, a little bit uh, more on what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, this whole business about metabolism, about satiety, about weight loss, weight gain, how we can sort of optimize our body's hormones. Super, super pumped today. We're going to talk about all this in a way that I think will be super helpful to you guys to be able to see what we, what each of us can do individually to kind of optimize our own body's physiology and our hormones so that we can get to whatever ideal weight we want to and not be sort of fighting the system, so to speak, but making the system work for us. So we're going to get right into it uh, real quick. But firstly, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't, please click the subscribe button and also please write me a review. All of those that have, thank you so much. It really increases our exposure, helps us get the good word out of positivity and good health and wellness and how to holistically get healthier. So please subscribe to the show, Modern Medicine Movement Podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, any place you look for Google Podcasts, whatever, it's there. Write a review for me on Apple, super easy. You just scroll down to where you see the five stars, click on the one farthest to the right. And then underneath that on the left is that little box with the pencil coming out the right top corner. Click on that and you just type up a quick review and I so appreciate it. (laughs) This is what keeps me going. You know, every one of these shows literally takes hours and hours of research and putting together because I want you guys to have the latest and greatest stuff out there. And 
uh, most up to date and the stuff that's applicable, the stuff that moves the needle, you know, so that we can all optimize our health. So I so appreciate when you guys shout me out, share, when you give feedback, when you rate our podcast with five stars and type up a quick review. Oh, this means the world to me. So thank you for doing that. Also, um, if you guys haven't already, you can um, join my free Facebook group, Modern Medicine Movement, Health and Wellness Facebook group. You'll be the first to know about releases of podcasts. I'm uh, currently doing a live once a week, and it happens to be on Fridays. So that always has a health topic of interest, sort of cutting edge, and something that's probably on many of your minds. So um, go ahead and sign up for that. I pretty much approve everybody other than the trolls. I try not to approve the trolls because we want this to be a positive experience. So (laughs) health and wellness is for all of us. I hope that you'll want to join and want to learn and want to share and super simple. So anyway, a question that you guys might have had at some point in your lifetime maybe is, dang it, what's going on? I still have this stubborn, you know, 10 or 20 pounds that I've done everything. You know, I've I've changed my diet. I've watched my calories. You know, I'm optimizing my calories in, calories out. I'm exercising and I can't stink and get this last 5, 10, 15, or 20 pounds to go away. What the heck is going on here? You know, I know a lot of folks out there struggle with this, especially all of us now that may be entering uh, middle age like myself. <laughs> we learned last week that uh, after age 40, our NAD levels tend to go down, which is sort of our um, building block, if you will, of the energy metabolism, you know, producing the energy molecule ATP. And, and AD is so important and our numbers start to really decline after age 40. <laughs> well, I'm about seven years past that. And, uh, and I've, I've, uh, <laughs> gosh, I, I realize our metabolism may not be what it used to, but we can tune it up. There's a lot that we can do. And so if you've ever struggled with weight, Ever at any point in your life, if you've ever struggled with losing, you know, those stubborn few pounds, it may likely be this issue called leptin resistance. Leptin, this so-called satiety hormone, may be at the root of this problem. It's not your lack of willpower. It's not your lack of self-control. It's not that. It's most likely not that. So stop right now. <laughs> Stop blaming yourself. This is not something you will yourself into. Certainly, there are psychological um, things that play in, you know, with emotional eating and things like that. But this is this is not you. You can overcome any and everything through, you know, proper education and then action um, and a little help. You can always ask for help. So that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm trying to reach out and help and help us all. And this thing about leptin, I think we'll find um, all of us, <laughs> you know, can take advantage and benefit from optimizing our leptin. So what the heck is leptin? Leptin is a hormone, if you will, actually primarily manufactured and made and secreted from fat cells or the adipocytes. So it is called an adipokine. Kine is sort of like a hormone, like the endocrine system as the hormone system. And, and did you know what? Fat cells actually 
can be considered endocrine cells because they secrete these chemical messengers or these adipokines. And the one that we're going to talk about today is very well known called leptin. And leptin is so fascinating because it may be at the root of all obesity. It may literally be that simple, that leptin is the problem. It's not your lack of willpower. It's not, you know, your lack of exercise. You know, some, some may play into that, but the overall problem could be a leptin problem. So let's talk about it. So leptin is produced in the fat cell, like I mentioned, and then it travels to the brain. It's actually able to get across that blood-brain barrier and affect the brain primarily in an area called the hypothalamus. If you guys remember from physiology class, this part of the brain is sort of the principal driver in your whole endocrine system, your metabolism, your sleep-wake cycles is primarily governed by this part of the brain called the hypothalamus. So ideally, leptin is made by your fat cells when you have enough, you know, when you're full, when you're satiated, when you have enough fat and you don't need to eat anymore. The fat cells produce this leptin. The leptin goes to the brain and says, hey, we can kind of chill out on the eating right now. We don't need to eat anymore. We have plenty of fat stores. Let's now focus on our metabolism. Let's crank up our metabolism. Let's burn this fat for energy. And, you know, we can kind of press pause on stuff on our face. <laughs> so leptin is a good thing. Leptin is a good thing. In fact, it was originally discovered not um, uh, at a molecular level, but in the 1950s, they discovered these mice that did not have any leptin. And they, guess what? They didn't get the signal to the brain that said, hey, you can press pause, you can stop eating, you can go out and now run around and, and use those fat cells and, and in, you know try to break down the fat for energy and metabolism. They didn't get that signal. So these mice that didn't have leptin, guess what? They got significantly and morbidly obese. I actually went back and looked at these original studies. Super fascinating. They show pictures of these mice, and they were legit, like, you know, the job of the hut <laughs> mice for all those Star Wars fans out there. I mean, legit, giant, huge, morbidly obese mice because they did not have any leptin. Okay. And so I thought, oh, well, that's easy. Why don't we just give them leptin and that should solve all issues with obesity? Well, in the folks that have this mutation that actually don't have any leptin that are obese, it does actually solve the problem. But guess what? This is the tiniest of tiny percentages. This is not what most of us have. Most of us have leptin. And in fact, the overwhelming majority, you know, probably upwards of 95 to 98% of all obese people have too much leptin. They actually have way too much in the same way that those with insulin resistance have too much insulin in their bodies. We also tend to have too much leptin, but it just doesn't work properly right? Because if it were working properly, we would be getting the signal in our brain saying, hey, you know, we have plenty of fat cells, plenty of energy stored. We don't need to eat anymore. Press pause, right? This is the traditional satiety 
hormone, if you will, because it acts on the brain at that area called the hypothalamus, right? And so once it acts there, it says, press pause. Now let's go out and burn those calories, right? Because without the leptin or when the leptin is not functioning well, you have the opposite of satiety, right? You have the absolute opposite. You have hunger and you want to just eat, 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 eat. So when you have no leptin, you just eat like crazy, like these mice did. Or if your leptin is not working, even though you have a lot of it and you have leptin resistance, you still have this drive to be hungry and to eat all the time, even though you have plenty of stored energy in the form of body fat, etc. So leptin is so key in regulation of metabolism, right? Because it if working well, tells us, press pause, let's now burn that fat, let's get our metabolisms cranked up, and beyond the metabolism, it also relates to so many other functions, including fertility, immunity, even brain function, and I'll, I'll touch on each of these later, but you know, if we can think from a teleologic or evolutionarily uh, why leptin might be important is because we didn't want to starve, you know, back in the day, right? Because if we got so emaciated and weak and no energy and we had no um, body fat or muscle, we wouldn't get through the winter, right? And so leptin over the years has, has been very efficient at keeping us from starving, but also it was supposed to keep us from getting too fat, right? If we if we got um, too much food, you know, in our hunter-gatherer days and we got too obese and we couldn't run away from a predator or another tribe or whatever, we wouldn't survive very long. So it was also supposed to prevent us from overeating. So leptin is super important. Um, it's producing the fat cells. As mentioned, it goes to the brain through that blood-brain barrier to the hypothalamus and tells us to, hey, press pause. We got plenty of fat stores. Now let's go ahead and burn those calories, get some energy, get all pumped up, and be able to maximize that uh, metabolism. And so that's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> that's the way it's supposed to work. But what we found is that, you know, like I said, most obesity, most folks that are overweight don't have decreased leptin like these knockout mice way back when. They actually have too much leptin running running around, and they have what's called leptin resistance, leptin resistance. So that's the primary problem. In fact, many researchers, especially um, diet and obesity researchers, really, really shown that, that the majority of obesity, majority of issues here may actually be related to leptin resistance. Like I said, not lack of willpower, not anything else, um, although other things play into it, the diet, the exercise piece, and all that stuff, but primarily this issue of leptin resistance is, I would say, um, the predominant force. In other words, even if you can you know, optimize your diet, you're starting to get exercise, you may be able to lose some weight, but you might not get to that ideal level because this you know, issue of this whole hormonal signaling, your brain being told what to do here by these endocrine molecules is more powerful than our willpower. So we're going to learn how we can optimize this whole physiologic process so that leptin works for us like it's supposed to. And when there is leptin resistance, 
it's not working well, okay? So that's um, primarily the most, I would say, um, important cause of obesity nowadays is this thing called leptin resistance. And what happens is that despite the fact that, you know, your adipose tissue or your fat cells are producing all of these, you know, uh, leptin signaling molecules, they're not able to send the message to the brain. And so what happens is the brain still thinks that you're starving. <laughs> the, the brain says, hey, we're not getting the signal. We need to eat more. It thinks that we're trying to prevent starvation. And, and over the years, it's done very, very well at keeping us from starving to death. Um, especially in our culture nowadays, you know, most of us have the opposite problem of that. Remember in Dr. Bickman's podcast a few weeks back, we learned that 88% of us have some version of insulin resistance and two thirds of people uh, tend to be overweight and, you know, half of those obese. I mean, it's crazy. We, we got problems with leptin. We got major problems. And not only is it an issue with telling us, you know, our brain thinks we must, you know, avoid starvation. We got to eat more. So we have these signals that we're hungry all, all the time. We need to eat more, but also it has sort of a conservative or, um, you know, it tries to keep us from using energy. It wants you to sort of be in that parasympathetic tone or the nervous system that's responsible for the rest and digest, <laughs> as we learned in school, is the one that's active here. We're trying to conserve energy when we have either no leptin or leptin resistance. Our brain is actually telling you to just sit around and don't burn those calories, right? <laughs> you you want to just rest and not do anything, and that's an issue with leptin resistance because the leptin signal is not working. If it were working, we would be stopping you know, putting food in our mouth and we'd be getting out there and, and going for it. We'd be active. <laughs> so like I said at the outset, it may not be, you know, any lack of willpower or, you know, exercising uh, too little or eating too much may not be the underlying cause, although that's the one that's touted out there by most physicians. Oh, what do you got to do to lose weight or to get more healthy? eat less, exercise more, duh, you know, that <laughs> it's not quite that simple. And our brain <laughs> needs to get the appropriate signals. And if we have leptin resistance, those signals are not, you know, happening in a normal fashion. So we're not stopping to eat and we're not pumping up our metabolism, which is what we should be doing if we have enough leptin and enough fat cells. <laughs> and why we don't, it's because of this whole phenomenon called leptin resistance. And so it's pretty interesting because, you know, what do we try to do, right? If we're a little bit overweight or what have you, we try to, what, go on a diet, right? <laughs> That's what our doctors tell us to do. That's what our, you know, our trainers, our diet coaches, health coaches say, hey, you know, you need to go on a diet. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, folks, dieting is not necessarily the answer. It's not such a simple thing as calories in and calories out. And I've talked about this before because leptin resistance doesn't care about that. In fact, many diets fail long-term because of leptin. Because let's, let's just give you an example, okay? Let's say, you know, you are overweight so by definition, you have more fat cells or bigger fat cells than you need, which produce this hormone called leptin. And you may have 
you know, the leptin resistance issue that we talked about, that leptin is not working. It's not telling the brain to stop eating, stop storing fat, but to go ahead and to use it and to make, you know, energy with it. It's not working. Okay. So if you lose weight, you know, you might lose a little bit of fat and you might, you know, reduce the leptin a little bit, but the leptin resistance in and of itself doesn't just correct, you know, right away. And the other issue is when the leptin goes down, like with losing weight, what happens, right? You get hungry. You actually get hungry. You get hungrier than you ever were before. You have increased appetite, right? You get more, you're just like, ah, I'm growling. I need to eat. I need to eat. (laughs) And what happens is you have even less motivation to get out and exercise. Your brain thinks that you're actually starving, And it initiates the opposite of leptin, right? This other hormone called ghrelin, which says, hey, you need to just go out there and eat, 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 eat. (laughs) And this this is probably one of the reasons you have this phenomenon called the yo-yo diet, right? You lose weight, and then all of a sudden you gain it right back because you're so hungry all the time. You're so stinking hungry. And if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about sort of the uh, contrary, if you will, or the opposite affecting uh, hormone out there called ghrelin. Ghrelin is kind of the, you know, the antithesis or the opposite of leptin. It's been referred to as the hunger hormone. And I hope we have time to get into that because it's pretty interesting. And if not, we can save it for another podcast. But let's let's go on this whole notion of leptin resistance. So when we have this, the leptin signal is not getting to the brain. And the three primary reasons for this are... Number one, and I would say this is probably the, <laughs> the first, second, and third reasons are this one. It's inflammation. Inflammation causes or contributes in a major way to leptin resistance because what happens is the signals don't quite get there because of this thing called C-reactive protein. This is an inflammatory mediator, okay? When we have inflammation in our bodies, this thing called C-reactive protein or CRP goes up. In fact, I've talked about this a little bit before because measuring our CRP level is super important in detecting uh, inflammatory states like heart disease, diabetes, prediabetes, insulin resistance, even, you know, high blood pressure, uh, the beginnings of neurologic disorders like neurodegenerative conditions like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, even cancers. These are all inflammatory conditions And one of the biggest causes of leptin resistance is inflammation, okay? And a marker for inflammation that's super, super, super sensitive. In other words, it's going to find it. If you've got inflammation, you do a highly sensitive C-reactive protein or HSCRP on a blood test, you're going to know if you have inflammation going on or not. So please talk to your doctor or your healthcare provider about getting this test if you want to know if you're prone to inflammation because this is at the root of so many disorders, including insulin resistance, high blood pressure, polycystic ovarian syndrome, diabetes, prediabetes, obesity, heart disease, cancer, neurodegenerative conditions. All of this has at the root inflammation. So if you haven't had yours checked, it's a pretty easy one to get measured, highly sensitive CRP. It'll tell you sort of your risk for heart disease and other things. Um, getting a leptin level is a little bit harder to do. Most people don't do it. Your doctor may be like raising the eyebrow and be like, what, what are you talking about? Um, so probably easier to get a CRP 
or an HSCRP, which is a highly sensitive C-reactive protein. And what happens with leptin is very interesting. <laughs> this article I found fascinated, published um, in the May 2018 in the Frontiers of Immunology. Um, it's entitled C-reactive protein and leptin receptor in obesity, the binding of monomeric CRP to the leptin receptor. And so what this talks about is it talks about how this inflammatory marker, the C-reactive protein, actually binds to the leptin. And it can't work properly because for leptin to work properly, two things have to happen. It needs to actually be able to get on to its appropriate leptin receptor. And then once it's you know, bound to the receptor, it's supposed to send a message, right? Hey, you got enough fat out there. You need to stop eating. You need to now start burning the fat, right? And so a couple of ways CRP can mess with this, it can either block that receptor by binding to it so that the leptin can't get there. And it's also been shown in other studies to actually bind to the leptin itself. So it can't activate the receptor. And in other cases, it can't even get to where it needs to go, right? Which is the brain, because it has to cross that blood-brain barrier. And some research there suggests that when leptin gets tied up with this C-reactive protein, which is also in the blood it can't even get into the brain because it can't cross the blood-brain barrier, cannot activate the leptin receptor, and cannot send that signal. So number one thing, inflammation. And at the end, we're going to talk about how we can decrease inflammation in our body. Okay, another thing that can cause leptin resistance is having too many free fatty acids floating around in your blood. And this can often happen from fat cells that are not working properly. Remember in Dr. Bickman's podcast, we talked about fat cells and how when we eat, you know, inflammatory foods, especially these things called the seed oils, you know, any of the vegetable oils, um, there's the, the famous eight out there, right, that are mentioned often. And I've um, shared that with you in the past, but things like canola oil, um, grapeseed oil, uh, sunflower, safflower, rapeseed oil, cottonseed oil, all of these processed oils out there, soybean oil, super common, um, highly processed vegetable oil, all of these seed oils can basically cause our fat cells to not work well because they actually get incorporated into those same fat cells and they cause inflammation. They are very prone to oxidation, which is um, very unstable, and it causes you know free radicals and, and oxidation and stress uh, can affect these so much, and it makes the fat cells not work well. In fact, it actually can make them sort of uh, leak, if you will, and leak out these free fatty acids into the blood um, through this whole process of the deranged, if you will, fat cells. And um, if you don't know much about this, I'd highly recommend Ben Bickman, Dr. Bickman's book, uh, why we get sick. It talks all about this. He is fascinated with these fat cells. In fact, that was what got him interested in insulin resistance was studying fat cells. When he realized that the fat cell was actually an endocrine organ, if you will, producing endocrine signals like this leptin, which comes from the fat cells, he just, oh my gosh, got super interested. And uh, so definitely check out that podcast. He and I talk about these fat cells, you know, the diseased ones, if you will, that have these seed oils in them that are inflamed, that they leak, uh, 
And this is one of the causes of not only insulin resistance, but also leptin resistance. And interestingly enough, leptin resistance and insulin resistance kind of go hand in hand. Almost everyone who is leptin resistant is also insulin resistance. As insulin goes up, so does leptin. When you get too much leptin, it's not working properly, you get leptin resistance. So we're going to talk about how we can not only improve our leptin resistance, but also our insulin resistance, right? That's, that's going to be key because leptin resistance can be reversed. Can. C-A-N. This is not a death sentence. We can overcome leptin resistance. So we're going to talk all about that, what we can do to overcome leptin resistance. And the first thing is decrease the inflammation in our bodies. In other words, avoid inflammatory foods. What are inflammatory foods, you may say? Well, we've talked about this before. It's all of those nasty seed oils that I just mentioned, as well as any processed food, highly processed foods, highly refined you know, sugars, carbohydrates, um, very processed foods promote inflammation. Remember my five-ingredient rule, if you will. <laughs> if it's got more than five ingredients, you may not want to eat it. Make sure if it has more than that, you understand all the ingredients in there because holy stinking moly, there's a lot of crap in the food out there that has labels on it. So try to stick to real, natural you know, food that you can recognize. Hopefully it's going to be organic and non-GMO and all that good stuff and and you can recognize it, you can pronounce it, <laughs> and then it doesn't have bad, you know, seed oils or other, you know, chemicals in there, like the yoga mat chemical that we talked about in the past, uh, things like that. There's so many <laughs> things that are in our food that we just wouldn't know it if we didn't look. And these foods, these highly processed foods, refined carbohydrates, anything that's got the seed oil, soybean oil, safflower, canola, all these things we've talked about, these drive inflammation, they drive inflammation. And what's the result of that? One of the results besides obesity and, and heart disease and all this other th stuff we've talked about with inflammation is leptin resistance. Because what happens with this inflammation, we have all of these other signals that are being produced that are not good for our body. You guys ever heard of TNF-alpha or interleukin-6? These are called inflammatory mediators and cytokines. And in obesity, they're increased. They're increased. In inflammatory states, they are increased, right? Inflammatory states like infections or cancers. And so we don't want these <laughs> cytokines or these messengers to be increased. We don't want too much TNF-alpha. We don't want too much interleukin-6. We don't want that because they are the drivers of chronic disease, right? So we want to get these levels down and we can do so by decreasing inflammation, which is primarily done through our diet. Remember, food is medicine. Another way we can improve this is eating more fiber, like in the form of, you know, prebiotics, healthy vegetables and fruit. The fibrous content can actually help with decreasing inflammation and it helps by improving the good kind of gut bacteria. I did a whole podcast on, on the microbiome and sort of gut health, and I shared some studies in there that talk about how the gut 
flora or the bacteria in our gut actually send chemical signals, including these type of signals, satiety signals and hunger signals, and tell us what to eat, if you will. You know, if it's the bad kind of bacteria, it tells us eat more sugar, eat more carbohydrates, eat more of the garbage. If it's the good kind of bacteria, it says, hey, eat more of these fibers, insoluble fibers, the prebiotics, because that makes us healthier. In turn, we will make you healthier. So optimizing your gut flora, super important to decrease inflammation. Another thing we can do is getting proper sleep. I cannot overstate this. And I was, <laughs> I was the worst. I think medical professionals are the worst because of our training. We're basically for 20 plus years, we're basically told that sleep is for the weak <laughs> and we got to work all night or we got to study all night or we got to, you know, whatever it is, we don't want to miss anything in our training. We wanted to work so many hours, hundred plus hours a week because we didn't want to miss anything. We wanted to see as much as possible. And so we were sort of trained on this whole thing that sleep is optional. <laughs> sleep is for the weak. We'll sleep when we're dead. And I can tell you right now, I have repented. <laughs> I now realize how important sleep is because number one, I feel better. <laughs> My wife tells me, Hey, you're not so grumpy anymore. But beyond that, our metabolisms will work so much better if we get adequate sleep. And in fact, this is the only thing you remember today. If you get adequate sleep, seven to eight hours a night, that could be the best diet hack or weight loss hack, if you will, that you've ever learned. Because if you're getting proper sleep, this will decrease your leptin resistance. It will also decrease your hunger hormone, that so-called ghrelin. Who here ever had to either get up super early or they went to bed super late and they didn't get a good night's sleep and then the next day they woke up and like, holy crap, it, like it didn't even make sense to you because maybe you only slept three or four hours and you're so incredibly voraciously hungry. And you're like, what the heck? I had a midnight snack, whatever. I was trying to crank out this last page of whatever, get this work done, this project, whatever it is. And then you wake up the next morning, just a couple hours later, and you're like voraciously hungry. You're like, this doesn't even make sense. I've only been sleeping for four hours. How could I be hungry? <laughs> this is because your ghrelin, the hunger hormone is activated when you don't get enough sleep. So <laughs> big diet hack, weight loss hack for you guys. Get proper sleep. You'll be less hungry. You'll get less of this leptin resistance. And guess what? You'll feel better. You'll be less grumpy. <laughs> You'll have more energy. So, so important. So important, guys. Proper sleep. Exercise is our next thing. And I could not go through a podcast without mentioning my favorite vitamin, vitamin M for movement. This will also decrease leptin resistance if we get physical activity and hopefully five to six days a week, 20 or so minutes at a time. This decreases inflammation, which hence decreases leptin resistance. Oh, I cannot overemphasize <laughs> this exercise. The six for six movement that I talk about, so important. Get your daily exercise. The other thing we can do is we can lower our triglycerides because if we have too much fat in our blood, you know, our triglycerides are too high, it messes with the transport of that leptin or satiety hormone from your, you know, blood from the fat cells to the brain. And so the signal just doesn't get there. So if we can lower the triglycerides, we can improve our leptin sensitivity. 
and we can decrease our leptin resistance. A lot of studies show this. And how do you do this? Well, <laughs> changing the diet, right? Eat less carbohydrates <laughs> and eat real food. <laughs> That's the best way to lower your triglycerides. Eat more healthy fats, real, you know, non-processed fats like avocados, eggs, you know, the good kind of cholesterol, right? Olive oil, coconut oil, my favorites, these things will not only help with your satiety, right? I've talked about this before, but, but another issue with satiety, if we eat energy-dense foods like protein and fat, the healthy kind of fat, we're going to be less hungry. We're going to be less hungry. We won't feel the need to snack. But if we're eating highly processed carbohydrates all the time, our energy runs out after two to three hours, and we're going to feel like we got to eat all day long every two to three hours. So stop the dense excuse me, stop the highly processed carbohydrates and eat more energy-rich, dense foods with real protein and fat. Super important. Eating more protein has been shown to help with weight loss. Did you know that? Eating more protein, eating more fat actually tends to cause weight loss because you're more satiated, you're more full, you don't have that desire to eat all the time, you're not hungry all the time, you can stop snacking and it helps with that satiety piece but it also has been shown to improve leptin sensitivity another interesting piece here and i don't think i've mentioned this yet today but when we talk about leptin resistance it's it's so omnipresent in the sense that it affects so many hormonal pathways in our body including the thyroid i mean the thyroid is such an awesome organ, and I'm going to have to devote maybe a couple of podcasts to it because it's just it's so key in not only energy and ideal weight, you know, weight loss, weight gain, but leptin resistance also messes with it. It messes with our thyroid because what happens is when you get too much leptin floating around, it actually causes an increase of the thyroid um, hormone called the reverse T3, which is kind of like an inhibitor to the active T3 or T4, which is the thyroid hormones that cause the thyroid to work properly, you know, to, to be able to get energy, to increase your metabolism. The active form of thyroid hormone, which is T3 and T4, well, the antagonist to that or what blocks it, jumps on that receptor and blocks it from the thyroid hormone to work is this thing called reverse T3. And that actually goes up with leptin resistance. Holy crap! So if you've ever got your thyroid checked, make sure you also check a reverse T3. Most doctors don't know anything about this. It's just not taught much in medical school, and it's a shame because when you get your thyroid panel, it should be much more than a TSH. It should be a TSH, a free T3, T4, and a reverse T3. So TSH, T3, T4, and a reverse T3 at a minimum. Anyway, um, I had to throw that in because I just think it's not, not only so fascinating from a physiologic level, but I think just knowing the interaction um, between the thyroid and leptin is super, super interesting. Super, super interesting. So where are we? <laughs> we talked about good gut health. We talked about lowering triglycerides. We talked about getting good sleep, right? What a, what a weight loss hack there, right? Simple, simple, simple. Get a good night's sleep. We will lower your hunger. We'll improve your leptin sensitivity, um, eating more protein, dense foods. We talked about that. Also, 
Uh, we're wrapping it up here. Intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is helpful in decreasing inflammation. It's helpful in increasing the sensitivity of our leptin so that it works properly. So intermittent fasting is also super, super important. And not only <laughs> is it great for insulin resistance, but it's good for leptin resistance. It's also good for our brains, our minds. It's sharp. It keeps us sharp. You know, have you ever woken up in the morning and I don't know if you've tried the intermittent fasting thing. The way I like to do it is I just skip breakfast. I never really liked um, to eat when I first woke up in the morning. My stomach was always a little upset anyway. And so intermittent fasting just worked for me to skip breakfast. And I found that my brain is sharp. I am active. You know, I can get a lot done in the morning when I haven't eaten anything yet because did you know what, what happens when um, you're hungry, right? That ghrelin hormone I talked about a little bit earlier. The ghrelin goes up, and ghrelin is actually um, has a positive impact on your mind, on your brain. It actually helps you to think, you know, more sharply, more acutely. And, you know, basically it's helpful for your mind, you know, ghrelin. And not only uh, does it increase when you're hungry or increase when you're fasting, um, but if you do intermittent fasting, you'll find that you'll be mentally more sharp and you'll also improve your leptin uh, resistance and you'll be able to go longer between meals and do what I like to call mindful eating, right? Because beyond intermittent fasting, I think if we just focus on the act of eating and what purpose it serves, I it's, it's phenomenal, the, the effects it can have. Let me give you an example. So I love to eat. <laughs> I used to just eat because I thought I needed to. And it's like, oh, I just got to crank through it. You know, it just takes too much time. And so I would just rah, inhale my food, you know, five, 10 minutes later. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'll go on to the next thing. And that's how I used to eat. And not only was it not super enjoyable to me, <laughs> but I was kind of like, I was hungry all the time. You know, I couldn't go long periods of time without eating. What I found is when I practice what I like to call mindful eating, which for me um, part of that is intermittent fasting, but but when I eat, I try to focus on what I'm doing. You know, put the cell phone down. You know, I love, love, love to just enjoy my meal, savor it, taste it. You know, you should actually chew every bite 20 or 30 times. You know, you would, at the end of the day, not only get more nutrients out of it, but you would, <laughs> big surprise, right, probably eat less. Um, that's a little hack that my grandfather taught me it was mostly not not because I was ever worried about weight gain but it was it was to help with digestion you know he would like chew every bite like 60 times I mean I I don't have the patience for that but I try to do you know 20 or 30 times and I try to savor it I try to actually enjoy it as opposed to just blah, 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 gobble gobble gobble, gobble blah, 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 you know quickly eat while I'm trying to catch up on my emails and do a bunch of other stuff it's just that's not the way to do it that's not mindful eating so next time you eat I'm gonna give you a little challenge Block out, you know, half an hour would be great, but let's just say block out 15 or 20 minutes. You know, let's say 20. Let's do 20 minutes. Block out 20 minutes. Put your phone down, you know, really focus on every bite, you know, tasting your food, chewing it 20 or 30 times. This is not anything to do with speed. This is not a contest. You don't want to eat quickly. You want to be able to enjoy your food, and at the same time, you're going to give your body a chance to both fully digest it and also, it'll 
help with the satiety thing. Because if you just gobble, 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 gobble super fast, it takes a while for the satiety piece to kick in. And so you'll end up eating more if you eat really fast. If you slow it down, you'll eat less. Also, another hack is drink eight ounces of water before each meal, right? Because that will actually stretch those stomach receptors and aid with the satiety thing. And you'll eat less that way as well. But it's actually pretty powerful. There's actually been studies on this where they call it, you know, I think they call it mindful eating. But basically all they did was they just told people, look, you got to take your time when you eat. (laughs) You got to take your time. You know, don't go, don't just gobble it up super fast. And they actually found after, um, I think it was three months, these uh, guys in this one study that I read lost 10 pounds in three months only by this simple hack, mindful eating, taking their time, you know, carving out 20 minutes per meal and really focusing on enjoying what they were putting in their mouths, not being distracted, not just gobbling it down super quickly. You know, if you're able to try to eat in a place where you can also have that sort of calming present, I like to look out the window and just, you know, whether I'm home in Hawaii and I have the window open looking at the green pastures and the palm trees, what have you, the clouds as they go over the mountain, or if I'm on the mainland and the mountains or whatever, I just like to look outside, look at the trees. Look at the beautiful blue sky and just have this, you know, period where it's calming because sometimes we create this sort of negative energy around food. And I think it should really be the opposite. It should be something positive, something positive. And if we practice this, this mindful eating, I bet you, you could not only improve your leptin resistance, but you could lose weight without even trying, without even changing your diet at all. You know, if you do have these dietary things that we talked about, eating too much processed foods, too many carbs, not enough natural, wholesome, real food. You know, I I still suggest you change that. But I bet if you change nothing and just practice this mindful eating thing where you took 20 minutes, you slowed it down, you chewed every bite 20 or 30 times, you know, I bet you would lose weight just like this study did, these folks, with not changing anything (laughs) with their diet. So super interesting you know, mindful eating, as I like to call it. I always incorporate a little bit of intermittent fasting in there. I got a whole podcast on that if you want to learn more. Uh, At the end of the day, this will decrease your leptin resistance, which could solve that inability to lose those extra few pounds that you've been trying to lose for months, years, or maybe even decades. You can do this. It is possible. It's not difficult. These steps are all simple. It is not because you have the lack of willpower. It is not because you are too weak. It is not because you haven't figured out calories in, calories out. That's not the way it works, guys. Your body does not abide by calories in and calories out. Remember my whole podcast talking about where that stinking calorie comes from? It was not designed for nutrition, right? It was a measure of energy, burning that stuff. (laughs) Burning that stuff with electrical current and seeing how much heat was developed. It has nothing to do with how it happens in the body. Nothing to do with it. So we can change this leptin resistance issue. And it's actually pretty, pretty simple. So just want you guys to know how powerful the simple things are. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be challenging. We can reduce our leptin resistance 
and lower this thing called ghrelin, right? Ghrelin is that, ah, it makes you hungry. It makes you, you know, want to eat, 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 eat. <laughs> and the same sorts of things will help um, lower your ghrelin like, like sleep. Because remember I mentioned if you don't sleep enough, your ghrelin levels go up, right? The other thing that will decrease your ghrelin um, and decrease your hunger is if you increase your muscle mass by eating more protein, eating more healthy fats, right? So a lot of these things go together. You want to try to maintain a stable weight um, and, you know, try to reduce during the day the numbers of times you put stuff in your mouth, you know, try to keep it to two or three meals. Don't do this crazy metabolically unhealthy thing for most people, which is snack or eat every two to three hours that they tell you this is total garbage. If you've been doing this, please, please, please listen to my podcast with Dr. Ben Bickman. The more we put things in our mouth, the more insulin goes up, the more insulin resistance we're going to have, the more inflammation we're going to have, and it contributes to all these health problems. So this thing that we've learned, I don't know, I was subject to it as well, that we need to eat every two to three hours is crap, unless you're trying to you know, compete in a bodybuilding competition and you need to increase your muscle mass super quickly and you need to eat all the time that way. You know, there's specific scenarios where it might be important, but for most of us, the overwhelming majority of us, we need to stop this practice. We need to eat only two or three teams, two or three times a day and stop snacking. <laughs> oh boy, guys. I, I think simplicity is not only bliss, but it is effective. Some of the most effective things we can do for our health, for our midsection, <laughs> is really, 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 really simple. So I hope you found value here with our mindful eating, with leptin, how we can optimize the function of leptin in our body so that we don't have leptin resistance by decreasing our inflammation, right? We want to decrease those foods and practices that cause inflammation so that we can decrease that C-reactive protein and we can optimize the function of leptin, which has a purpose. It is there for a reason. It's supposed to keep us at an ideal weight so we don't get too skinny, we don't get too fat. We have that perfect ideal weight so we are full of energy and full of life. <laughs> And you can do this, guys. It's simple. And I hope this is inspiring and helpful. Please feel free to share. And please, please, please subscribe. Reach out. Join the Modern Medicine Movement Health and Wellness Group. Reach out to me, Modern Medicine Movement Podcast at Gmail. If you have questions or if you want any specific material on a future podcast, let me know. I'll do my best. Until then, have a great day, a great week, and aloha.